0: and your love for others would be seen and heard. So this is the word of the Lord. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that have existed have been instituted by God. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue, revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Let's pray together. And so Father, we love You. We again pray and declare all glory to You, all honor to You. And we look forward to what You are going to do in and amongst us through the power of your word and through the working of your Holy Spirit. So would you do that now? Lord, would you help me be tethered to your word closely? Would you help me proclaim your words without fear? Lord, would you help your church receive your word with confidence, with boldness, and with joy? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, and at this time children ages seven and on down, you may be dismissed to the Gathering Lights ministry. I know Tim and Susie Allen are teaching the kids this morning, and I heard Susie's offering free piggyback rides to the kids. (laughs) So, good luck with that, good luck with that. Susie's the best you're visiting with us we've been in Romans Romans 1 through 11 what God has done Romans 12 dedicate your life to him live for him and we see those first fruits in the church and then we come to verse 1 of chapter 13 and we see what the Christian is to be like and how the Christian is to live in And under the rule of government. Are you guys excited about this morning? Me too. Me too. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. The uh, title of today's sermon is To Submit or Not to Submit. And obviously the latter half of that title uh, catches or captures your attention because you want to know. Hey, Pastor Mike, when do I not obey the government? Um, but if you can hang with the text, and if you can hang with the first part of this sermon, we're going to do our best to try to answer that question uh, in, its, in, in, in a full, robust manner, maybe not in its entirety, but hopefully you'll gain a grasp of how the Christian can function in relationship to the government in order to glorify God with your life. Uh, The message of today's text. So in a sentence, we call it the timeless truth. What is true for the Christian that lived in the church at Rome and what is true for the Christian who's sitting today under God's word in Mainville, Ohio. This is what you need to hear today. Submit to the government when they are acting within their rightful God-given authority. So hopefully you're hearing that this is not Newman's ideas, but God, through his inspired word, telling his church what to do. And here's our, our two points that will govern our time together. The first point, and if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to do so, is when to submit. When to submit, or how to be a godly citizen in America, okay? Our government, where we're living right now. And the second point is when to not submit, when to not come under, when to oppose, object, or appeal. And that also is framed or is in the context of how to be a godly citizen in America. So, both points. Hopefully will help you live out your kingdom citizenship in heaven on earth even this week. And a disclaimer, uh, as soon as this sermon leaves my lips, it will be both uh, dated and localized. And I, I realize that and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because pastors are to preach to their people Uh, not to online listeners 20 years from now or even 100 years from now, okay? So I have prepared this message for you today. And I know that many of you are asking these questions. So there's my disclaimer. Let's start, shall we? Point number one, when to submit, how to be a godly citizen in America. Verse one. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So let's go ahead and start with, first, the truth of authority. So in this verse, we see that there is no authority apart from God, that He is the ultimate authority. If again, if you're taking notes, you're writing authority, dash, God is the ultimate authority. We learned earlier in Romans 11, verse 36, it says, For from him and to him and through him are what? All things, even the government. So this means that all governing authority, all governments all across the world and American government exists under the sovereignty and the will of God. This is not just a Romans 13 teaching, but it is consistent throughout the Old Testament, and it's consistent all the way through the book of Revelation. Uh, for example, in Revelation chapter 13, John writes that God gives the beast authority to rule and to act. He says it two times in chapter 13 to reiterate and for the church to learn that God still has this that he's still in control, and he uses his authority, delegates it to governing officials, to governments, and uses governments to move his kingdom and to enact his will. So there's no political power that exists outside of God's control. Amen? It says, let every person, in verse 1, So it's not just a command to believers in a certain time or a certain place, but actually to unbelievers and believers alike, especially believers because Paul's writing to the church. But God, his very character and nature is that he loves law, he loves order, and he wants every person to be subject, to be under, to be submissive to law, and order to the governing authorities. And Paul says to be subject to them, to be subject to the governing authorities, which sometimes includes obedience, but it's a different word. If he would have said obedience, he would have said it. But he says to be subject to them. So this word recognizes that there is a position of authority that the government has over you. You, as a citizen of the United States, you are subordinate to the governing authorities. Why? Because God put them there. Look look at just the last part of this verse. It says, The government has been instituted. That is, put there or appointed on purpose with knowledge by God. That's what He does. And so the reason... Why God tells the church to be subject to governing authorities is that the government has divine origin. So, so far, if you're tracking with me, here's just the short of it God has all authority, He delegates His authority, He delegates it to the government. The government, therefore, has authority. So, verse 2. Look at it with me. Therefore, if you're following this line of argument, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. You want the Newman translation? Here it is. Hey, You want to be a good citizen? This text isn't that hard. Obey the law. Be subject to the governing authorities that they have laid out. Like, support the government. Um, Don't do crazy stuff that's against the law. Like, don't steal from people. And then you don't have to worry about anything, right? Hey, uh, don't, if you're under 21, don't drink. If you're 16 years of age or older uh, and you're driving, don't speed. If you don't like the speed limit, don't show your disapproval by speeding. There are, um, there's an orderly way within our government to show disapproval. Go to your local governments. Express your grievances. Let them know that there is speed limits that are inappropriate here. If they don't change it, guess what you need to do? You need to submit to it. Let your eyes find a few of these verses with me, okay? Paul tells us what it looks like to be a good earthly citizen. And he speaks really plainly to the church. So two times, in verse 1 and verse 5, find it with me, he says to be subject to the government, to submit to them. Do you see that? And then he lays out a few specifics. Look at verse 6. He says, and we read it together, he says, pay your taxes. Look at verse 7 with your eyes. It says that you need to understand, hey, when you pay your taxes, don't cheat on your taxes. Pay all of them to all that is owed. So this would align with Jesus' teaching that you are to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Look at verse 7 again. We are to respect governing authorities. Find verse 7, the latter half of that phrase. It says we're to honor governing authorities. It says to honor to whom honor is owed. We're to show that, right? This is, this, these are clear texts. It doesn't have to be that hard. There's one broad exhortation. If you're wondering how to be a good citizen in America and how to shine your light for Jesus as an earthly citizen, it's in verse 3. Find it with me. Underline it in your Bible. It says, Do what is good. That's it. Do what is good. And guess what? If you do what is good, at the end of the verse, it says that you will receive the government's approval. If you don't, verse 4 will happen. Are you tracking with me? Here we go. If you don't do good, verse 4 will happen. The government bears the sword and will carry out the wrath of the wrongdoer. So again, if you do good, you don't have anything to worry about. But if you're selling drugs in your basement and the police haven't found you yet and you're walking around, you will walk around with fear because of the authority that God has delegated to the government. They are allowed to use force. They're allowed to bear the sword. It's their divine right. If you have murdered someone and you're walking around hoping that that the government hasn't caught you yet, you will walk around in fear. Why? Because the government has been given the authority to use the sword. Let's just talk about that for a second, okay? The sword, used in chapter 8 in reference to death. So the, the government has the right to exercise capital punishment. They don't always have the right to exercise capital punishment. They don't always have to use that right, but they have that right. The general principle would be, if you take a life, the government can take yours. So do good, church. Honor those who are in authority. Respect them. If you don't agree with them, go through the correct channels. Okay? Now, here's what I mean, okay? I don't want to talk in code or, like, be ambiguous. And so let's just land the plane on a couple areas. Um, Last year, this is, for example, but this is right on the tip of our tongues. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. There were a ton of riots going on. Remember that? If you don't, you need to watch the news, right? (laughs) Like People were upset at the police and, in general, The best thing to do, if a cop pulls you over, is to show respect, to show honor. Don't argue with the cops. Don't resist them. And generally, things will go fine. Things will go well. Now, I know that I am a white male, and some would say that I don't understand. But I understand The doctrine of depravity really well. I understand that not all cops are Christians. They're not all good people. Not every not every man is a good man. Not every woman is a good woman. I understand that not every politician has the right motives in his speeches or laws. But God God's word is clear here, that He loves to provide law and order in a society in which we live. And he wants us to respect those in authority and be subject to them. This is not blind submission. This is not uh, some unhealthy or anemic definition of submission. But it's clear that we are to submit. So, those who are upset and decided to riot and decided to start breaking the law by stealing things out of Target and things like that. They were wrong. They were breaking the law. And they should be punished according to their crimes. Period. Verse 1 to 7. In summary, if the government, if the government, if the government is acting within their rightful authority in the context of the United States, which means upholding the Constitution of the United States, then submit to them. There's point number one. How do we do so far? (laughs) You guys are in it. You guys are in it. You're like, wow, how's this next point going to (laughs) go? Point number two, when to not submit. So how to be a godly citizen In America okay so I was um, I was taking Sophie my my second born to volleyball practice this week and she said hey dad have you ever asked Siri what zero divided by zero is I said no I've never asked it have you guys asked try it when you get home verbatim this is what Siri says okay I wrote it down Um, Siri's answer Imagine if, this is my Siri impression right imagine if you had zero cookies and you split them evenly among zero friends. How many cookies does each person get? See, it doesn't make sense. And the cookie monster is sad because he doesn't have any cookies. And your friends are sad because they don't exist. (laughs) And then she says, then she says, oh wow, this escalated quickly. I know. Try it. That's one of your applications when you go home today, okay? Yes. Hey, this, this uh, discussion on when not to submit, this could escalate very quickly, okay? <laughs> and so let's, let's approach this spirit-filled. Okay, so the question is when. The slam dunk, easy answer that you all need to hear. It's kind of the stock answer, and it's a good one, is this, okay? Uh, That when the commands or laws from the government violates the commands of Scripture, you obey God and not man. All right, That needs to be like the blanket that just covers you. Like, yes, we're going to obey God and not man. Here's some scriptural examples from the Old Testament and New where it has been easy or clear to see, but not always easy to do. Okay, here's a a short summary of of people being civilly disobedient, all right? King Nebuchadnezzar, book of Daniel, he says, hey, worship this idol, right? And if you don't, you're going to be cast into the what? That's right. So Daniel's three friends say, we ain't doing it. King Darius says to Daniel, hey, you got to pray to me. You can't pray to anyone else. Daniel says, I ain't doing it. So he goes to his room. Opens up his window and prays. Windows, plural, and prays. Pharaoh says, hey, I want you to kill all the male Hebrew babies. The Hebrew midwives disobey. They obey God, not man. Uh, Trivia, who said this one? I'm going to read it for you. Then I shall go to the king, though it is contrary to the law, and if I am to perish, I shall perish. Nice job, all right. Esther 4.16, that's a beautiful one, all right. In the New Testament, first example of people to practice civil, civil disobedience, anyone know it? It's the wise men, it's the wise men, right? So um, Herod says, hey, when you see Jesus, come back to me, come back to me. I want to worship him. Code, I want to I kill him, I'm going to get him. They, they, they realize that. They go see Jesus, and they look at each other and go, let's take a different way home, and they ignore the command of the government, right? And then the classic case of the government trying to muzzle the great missionaries, Paul and Peter, where we get our just great, strong verse, we must obey God rather than men. So, in summary, like, the Bible is chock full of examples of people following God and not following the government in a blind manner. Governments giving issues, decrees, or mandates. And godly people responding with no. But you must have incredible discernment. And that's why we're here this morning. So, because it always hasn't been so clear or easy to see. Let me give you two historical examples. Okay? One happens in Germany. Um, one happens in South Africa. First, the Germany one. 1933. A pastor named Frederick de Bellius, He preached a sermon on Romans 13 to justify to the Nazi party that they can They can seize all that they want, they can have all the power, and they can commit these brutal acts, and the people of God and the law of the land, we should obey, because God has put them there. Three days after this sermon, the German parliament dissolved and Hitler took over, and within a few years, six million Jews had been slaughtered, and the world was devastated after World War II. Germany example. South African example. John Stott records that on October 8th, 1985, a guy named Michael Cassidy, he was the founder of African Enterprise. He was granted an opportunity to give an interview with the president of South Africa. His name was P.W. Botha in the city of Pretoria. And as he was approaching This interview, his hope and prayer was that the president would turn from his wicked ways and and shut down the apartheid. When Michael came into the room, this is how it's recorded the president opened his Bible and read out loud to him Romans 13 in order to demand unconditional support and allegiance to the government's apartheid policy. Lessons to be learned. Governments do not have unconditional authority. They don't. God does. Also, hey, don't read Romans 13 as a government official and do whatever you want. Also, church, this is one of the greatest passages that was abused in the last 18 to 24 months. Don't just take the government. Read Romans 13 and say you have to obey everything. most of Europe during the Dark Ages believed that if you were a part of the royal dynasty, that God must have put you there on the throne, which is true. We just learned that in verse 1. But that everyone must obey you always unconditionally. The historic term was rex lex. Any kids in, in like history classes learning that? The king is law. Does that sound familiar? So church, if we miss this issue of authority in this text, namely that God's authority is the only authority, the divine authority, and if we give unconditional authority to the government, we give license to leaders who abuse authority, and then they become, by definition, tyrants. Tyrants are those who abuse authority. They use their position to abuse individual human rights. That's the definition of a tyrant. Okay, so let's step back here for a second. I just used two examples. One was about the Holocaust. One was about the apartheid. Pretty bad, okay? You might be going, this has nothing to do with a global pandemic, right? What I'm trying to do is to use historical examples, like to use historical voices to bring us out of our current culture, like out of our thousands of articles that we're reading to help us see a little bit clearer. Catch this, okay? Both the Jews in Germany and blacks in South Africa were viewed as a threat to public health and national security. The Jews were called the Schwarz-Gavard. Blacks were called the Black Danger. And both governments during this time appealed to safety for the common good. That was their anthem, and in so doing, they gained people's trust. William Pitt, famed uh, prime minister of UK, friend of William Wilberforce, once wrote, Necessity... That, that would be public health or the common good, is the plea of every infringement of human freedom. It is the argument of tyrants. It is the creed of slaves. Tim Cantrell, a pastor friend, wrote, a fearful society will always comply. Panicking people will believe anything. French Revolution, all right? During those bloody days, the citizen, over 40,000 citizens were beheaded because just a neighbor snitched on them. Who was it that was operating the guillotine? The Committee for Public Safety. To be clear, this is not a message. This is not a sermon to not get vaccinated, okay? I hope you hear me. This is my connection God has ultimate authority. He delegates his authority to different spheres of life. Family, church, government. Those are three major spheres. In our country, in the sphere of the government, our authority is the Constitution of the United States and every president swears to uphold the Constitution. If he does, if he upholds the Constitution, we are to submit. If he doesn't, we have an obligation, a duty not to submit and to oppose. This is why it is so important to be a knowledgeable voter. Because there's different Supreme Court justices that read and interpret the Constitution of the United States differently. Some are originalists, right? That that believe that the Constitution was written with a clear and original meaning. And the SCOTUS decisions must be made in light of the original meaning. And then there are other judges. Liberal judges. I'm going to say that confidently who see the Constitution as a flexible document where changes can happen according to how each generation interprets it. Parentheses. They can make it say whatever they want. Which, side note, there's a parallel to liberal theology. You can review the Bible in the same way. right? Well, it didn't mean that at that time. And so I'm going to twist it to... They didn't know what we were experiencing or what we would come up against. And so what I think it means now is this. But we as a church believe that there is a genuine, historical, literal interpretation of the Bible when it is liberal. So, I know you're wondering. The big question was the mandate given by our president to get vaccinated was it against the Constitution of the United States? Again, I don't want you leaving here talking about vaccination, non-vaccination. He's a pro- this church is an anti-vacitoring. I am talking about authority. This is not about should I get the jab or not, okay? Did our president act in an unconstitutional way? Was his speech on September 9th An abuse of authority. So this is not a character bash. I'm equipping you to discern. And I would say, absolutely. Of course this mandate was unconstitutional. The President of the United States just mandated that all Americans should put something in their body. If that isn't overreach... I don't know what is a key like he, and he's stepping outside the god-given authority of the government if the president can tell an individual what to put in your body what can't he do that's scary business specifically though i don't want to appeal to you with passion or with some persuasive words of, of my own opinion, what about the mandate went against the Constitution? So the Constitution reads like this. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, and ensure domestic tranquility, provide for, the, provide for the common events, promote the general welfare that's where he broke it. That's where the mandate went against our constitution. He mandated general welfare. He didn't promote it. And not to get into the weeds, but there's so much discrepancy on this vaccine. Does it actually promote the general welfare? But our president has decided it does promote the general welfare, so he's mandating it for everyone. And in so doing, he's violating thousands of Americans' conscience. Specifically, he is breaking amendment, the First Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, and the Tenth Amendment. Let me just, let me just read a little bit of, of those. Here's the Fifth Amendment, okay? Uh, it says that the government will not deprive you of life liberty or property so if your body isn't property again i don't know what is 10th amendment the powers not delegated to the united states by the constitution nor prohibited by it to the united states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people so how to respond okay this is where we're closing Um, four things. Four things. The first one is this, a summary of verse 1 through 7, and it is this, that we need to submit. Submit to the governing authorities on matters according to God's word. Like, in modern day lingo, like, be an awesome citizen, right? Do good. Don't break the law. Actually support the law. Pray for your government. Pray for your officials. Like, if they're doing good things, Write them letters of encouragement. Like, tell them you're excited about this and that. Like, don't just be like wolves waiting for them to do something wrong, right? Like, be a good citizen. Be nice. Show active support, not just passive. All right, number two. This aligns with the second point. Appeal. So on matters where government has overstepped their authority, appeal. Don't get nasty, don't sin in your anger, but also, hey Christians, don't be cream puffs, okay? Like Jesus said, you are to let your light shine to the world, to all men, so that they may know my Father and give glory to him who is in heaven. So that would be, translation, to school boards, to to local officials, to governments, to our governor, DeWine, to Biden, Like, according to the First Amendment, your right is to petition the government with your grievances. So, church, write a letter. Write an email to your local, state, or federal governments if you are seeing the government violate their God-given authority. Catch this. Whether you have been vaccinated or whether you have not been vaccinated, you have a God-given duty as a believer in this country to respond, appeal, and oppose. Number three, faith, not fear. Vaccinations, I can't believe we're talking about this. I was just sitting with my wife in bed going, man, we're, we're here, but this is where we are. This is this is where we are as a church and as a country, and God's people want to know, and God's word provides clarity. So it's important to be clear on this. Here's some strong statements coming. Let's talk about them in our community groups and and pursue me, pursue the elders, and let's let's work through these, okay? Here we go. Number one. This is number one of point three, if you're like into subpoints and things like that. (laughs) It's not a sin to be vaccinated all right? Don't, don't be coming to me saying, I heard you. What you really mean is, come on, like, I, hey, I am all up to date on my childhood vaccinations. Like, like it's, it's, it's okay. This is an issue of authority that we're talking about, not whether to or not. You hear me on that one? Okay. Number two. We will never mandate vaccinations at our church. We won't do it. Why? This is not a medical argument. Why won't we do it? As a pastor of this church, as an elder, I have not been given the authority to mandate vaccinations. I shouldn't do it. If I do, you need to appeal. You need to call me to repentance. It wouldn't be right, just like it wouldn't be right for the elders of this church to mandate that you wear green and gold to church every Sunday. Although I would love that, being a Packer fan. (laughs) I would love it. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's not within the realm that God has given me. Does that make sense? Number three, we'll never mandate masks at church. We met this week as elders. We're all unified in this. Why? Again, this is not a medical discussion. Your elders do not have the authority to tell you what to wear on your face. If you're going to wear a mask, that's great. If you're not going to wear a mask, that's fine. You have the freedom to choose. And we do not have the authority to tell you what to do and what not to do when it jumps outside the realm of Scripture. Amen. That should give you great comfort. That should be like a balm to your soul. We will be careful with the authority that God has entrusted to us. And here's number four. We will never close down our church. Meaning, we don't have the authority to close down the church because of public health. During the shutdown, we learned a lot, didn't we? One conviction that is significantly raised in our minds and hearts is the issue of authority. We, as elders, cannot keep God's people from the assembly. So you can trust that we won't do that to you. It's essential. This is not an issue of public health. This is not a statement for the common good. This is an issue of authority and obedience to God. And this is not some rally against the government, like rah, rah, let's like, go marching out of here. But you need to know this. Just in those last statements, it will get harder and harder for the church of Jesus Christ. And it's my job, it's our job, to prepare you and equip you for persecution. Persecution. It's coming our way. Why? Because in the language of the government, the church will be the last quote-unquote safe place. The schools will be safe. The businesses will be safe. The restaurants will be unsafe. But if we don't mandate vaccinations, churches will be unsafe. It's true, and it's coming I mean, open your eyes. Look at the NFL. Just last year, they told their players that they couldn't go to church. That's wrong! We should be appalled by this. And Instead, how have we responded? Well, we've got to stay safe. Never throughout history has the church valued safety over obedience to God. So if you're sick hey, stay home, don't be stupid, you know, but as a church, we're going to worship the Lord. We'll need your help. You ready? Last one, number four, unity. Not unity to be anti-vaxxers or pro-vaxxers, okay? I already said it, I'm personally not an anti-vaxxer, Okay? There are many of you in this church that have been vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccination. There are many who have not. Do you know what would make the heart of God just sing? You want to hear what would make God so happy and would glorify him so much? Unity. We will not divide over vaccinations. I know of a church in Pennsylvania One section is a vaccinated church. The other section is an unvaccinated church. And this is abhorrent to God. And that church is dying, and they should. So, brothers and sisters, this is where we stand. God's writing a great story. He's the author, He has the pen, and He's trustworthy. So let's, through prayer, let's fix our eyes on Him during this time, okay? To close our service, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And hang with me for a sec, okay? If you have any fear in your heart during this time, in any way, or if you are experiencing any tensions, any pressures, Paul says, if, you, if you're hard-pressed on every side, any job loss, or if there's any divisiveness going on in in your family or within your friends, please, I want to ask you with a spirit of openness and willingness to live a life of surrender to God and live a life of surrender and openness to others, to lean on each other and ask for prayer. That's where unity can really happen. Not just, oh, let's just not talk about the things that are controversial. But our church is experiencing some tremendous challenges with these issues. And all members of the church need to come together, be aware of what's going on, and be praying for each other. We just came off the heels of Romans 12 about how to care for one another, how to serve one another, how to show hospitality. God's got a great plan for this church if you need prayer, we're going to ask you to all stand. We're going to worship. And in the wings, there'll be people over there just ready to partner with you in prayer. If you need prayer in your community group, set aside time to really be unified about these issues. And we're going to watch the Lord get a whole lot of glory in these next coming days. Amen. Will you stand and I'll pray for us. So Lord, to you be all glory and honor and power for from you and to you and through you are all things. May all glory be from you and to the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Lord, guide us, guide our government. Lord, those who who are in authority over us. We pray that we would be good citizens, that we would support them when they they hold fast to the Constitution. Lord, that we would hold ourselves in a manner that is Christ-like in opposition when we oppose. Lord, we're gonna see later in chapter 13 that we are to clothe ourselves with Christ. We pray that for us now. Would you help us in that quest? Love you, and we turn our, our eyes to you. We're gonna look at your face, not just your hands to get stuff, but your face to know.